Chapter 30 Year 880 PXF Summer Nazji was an excellent teacher, and Thorn a gifted student, but the ways of enchanting are arduous and time-consuming. Over the following five years, Thorn had advanced from being merely an assistant in Nazji's work to having laid enchantments of his own as a final test to graduate from apprentice to a journeyman. When Naz had asked what Thorn wanted to enchant as his test, Thorn knew it must be the ball-peen hammer that Riken had made for his apprenticeship trial that he now carried, as Mikal had before him. So Thorn had laid upon the hammer spells befitting its function, a way to heat metal without the need of a forge, and a force magnifier to give its light weight the same striking impact of a larger sledgehammer when required. Nazji presented the hammer to the Guild Council for assessment, and when their certification came, Naz declared a celebration was in order. Thorn invited Naz over to his apartments, which, over the intervening half-decade, had become more personalized to the style and taste of a cosmopolitan artificer living in Oldstone than the refugee from the lowlands who first had moved in. Thorn had on occasion considered returning to Elerjan, but the fear of the curse residing within him escaping and whatever its ultimate effects might be held him close to the resources and protection Oldstone and Naz could offer. As it was close to midsummer, Thorn added to the celebration of his journeyman status an acknowledgment of the end of his forty-second year of being alive. However, he placed only five candles on the cake in recognition of Thorn's life, not the cumulated time of this life and the previous one. Over the candlelight, Naz stared a bit too long into Thorn's face, and Thorn gave him an acknowledging nod in return, knowing the question he must be about to ask. Thorn had begun to notice it a few months after Naz had discovered the curse. At first, it was just little things, like that as his hair was growing back out, the strands of grey that had been apparent since he had first become knight captain were no longer there. Then, six months after that, by the time his hands had healed to the knuckles, Thorn, in a spate of contemplation while staring into the mirror, noticed the crow's feet around his eyes seemed less prominent. He had deluded himself that perhaps it was due to the diffuse light in Oldstone, instead of living under the unfiltered bright sun. Eighteen months after that, as he stood shirtless in front of the mirror, the weight and muscle mass he had lost was undeniable. Thorn had not become soft. His physique still conveyed strength, but not in the overwhelming way Talon's had. He attributed that to his focus on his apprenticeship and his more leisurely lifestyle under the mountains with no daily training. With some satisfaction, Thorn realized one of the things that would make him undeniably Talon back in human lands was fading. But now, five years on, looking over the birthday cake at Naz, he could not deny what was occurring. Thorn answered the unasked question in Naz's eyes. I know. This is not the face of a human five years older than the day we met. I will assure you it is my face, though. Or, I should say, his. This is how Talon looked when he was first assigned as envoy for Duke Isul. His form was much bulkier, carrying nearly thirty more pounds of muscle, but this was indeed his face as I remember it. Nazji sighed with concern. I couldn't be sure. To my eyes, humans seem to decay as quickly as summer fruit left forgotten in a cupboard. 
but I didn't think my eyes were deceiving me so badly as not to recognize the lack of change in my closest friend. As Thorn blew out the five flickering candles, an uneasy silence followed, as they both knew the root of what was happening, and where it might lead. The truth now spoken about the curse affecting him more than just by healing his hands, Thorn began training again. At first, he started with just Kasfarian sickle, but having trained and battled for so many years with a glaive, he quickly realized, like Osman, he would need an offhand weapon. Having nothing else readily available, Thorn began using the ball-peen hammer he had enchanted as a training stand-in for whatever weapon he decided to replace it with later. He knew he could not hide in Oldstone or even all of Limehold forever. He would eventually have to face his demons again. Year 880-PXF Autumn The snows of coming winter had already begun to fall outside the gates of Oldstone, when three young dwarves, all with glacial blue hair and beards, dumped the large ice-covered contraption on the doorstep of Naz's workshop. Where's the dragonborn? the shortest of the motley group demanded. Troven said there would be a dragonborn here, he added aggressively. Thorn replied, Nazji is delivering some ray catchers to the upper ingresses. I am his partner. How can I help? Thorn had almost said apprentice, but caught himself, remembering his new rank, and was sorely glad he did so with this crew, who were obviously from the Frostbeard clan. Tell the lizard the boss wants this fixed. The short Frostbeard kicked the machine as he spoke, and then stalked away. Thorn bristled at the slur they had thrown, but knew better than to stir up trouble for himself and Naz by drawing the ire of the notorious mining clan. Thorn dragged the icicle and frost-covered machine into the workshop. He sliced his hand on the sharp crystals in the process, and the melting behemoth left a trail of snowmelt across the floor for him to mop up. Thorn wrapped his hand to keep from tracking blood around, but knew by morning the cut would be hardly more than a memory, due to the mysterious workings of the curse churning within him. Nazji returned a few hours later, right before closing time, and, seeing the twisted machine dripping water all over the floor as the ice melted, let out a disgusted grunt. Ugh, Droven's kin dropped that off? He walked to one of the smaller work tables where Thorn was cleaning and re-etching runes into a large heating plate for a tavern stove. Yeah, while you were out. Not a very friendly bunch. I assume it is a rotary miner from down in the Frostforge depths, but hard to tell with the damage and ice. Thorn replied over his shoulder, eyes and concentration still on his work. He added, Be a couple of days before it fully thaws, I suspect. I placed some totems I learned from my time in the desert around it that draw moisture to help with the mess. We'll take a look at it after Hearth's rest, then, Nazji affirmed and asked. You have any plans? Thorn spun around on his stool, having come to a stopping point for the day. Standing up, he replied, I was hoping you had something we could do. Maybe hit Cascadia and the canals of the Cloudvale Steps? Thorn suggested. Now that could be fun. You know, they celebrate the night of the Drowned Moon for a whole fortnight there, and they observe Hearth's Rest as a time of opening your heart to others and hospitality, so... Naz's frills widened and flexed in anticipation of home-cooked cuisine on the canals of Cascadia. 
Grabbing his belongings to head out, he added, I'll book the transit gate so we don't have to use the public transportation circle. And I've got a couple of returning stones charged, I think. Oh, and we will need masks. It is all about masks in Cascadia for Drowned Moon. Smiling ear to ear, Thorn said, I'll take care of masks. I know a thing or two about costumes. As they left Naz's shop, neither one could see the melting ice, slowly, drop by drop, depositing Thorn's blood on the machine's metal. After the first drop, the thawing metal seemed to hungrily await more, and greedily absorbed each subsequent drop into its framework. Naz and Thorn entered the workshop the morning after Hearth's rest, laughing and reliving tales from their drowned moon jaunt to Limehold's Cloudvale Steps region and its lively central city of Cascadia. Singing along at tables over handcrafted ales, bled into remembrances of tasting samples of residences' culinary delights served from outdoor kitchens attached to their homes. Side by side, nudging each other with their shoulders at particularly embarrassing or outlandish memories, they were all smiles, until the looming hulk of the Frostbeard mining apparatus reminded them of the task ahead. The machine was a monstrosity of intermeshing mining gears and augers meant to break through the magically frozen stone of the Frostforge depths. The mining head sat upon four spider-like legs with serrated tips to pierce and hold tightly within the icy ground of the Frostbeard's mines far below. The arachnid feel of the contraption was completed by the dual-purpose counterweight and orbin that hung off the back like some bloated abdomen. Even from across the room, the two artificers could tell the augers and gears were racked and off their axes, while the damage to the legs appeared to be more from blunt force, most likely from being kicked and beaten with mining tools by its owners after it failed. With a simultaneous sigh echoing Naz's, Thorn offered, I'll dispel the power out of its runes and get the casing off while you make the coffee. Double strong, double hot, Thorn called to the retreating form of Nazji. The pewter dragonborn lifted his arm in acknowledgement, his frills still drooping to one side in his pre-coffee morning state. Thorn set to work on the rotary driller by first dispelling all the magic from the sigils that powered it. Overall, it was a mess. The anti-corrosion runes had long ago been damaged or had worn off, so all the fasteners between the outer shell plates were fused in place with rust. When rust wasn't the problem, the beating it had been given by the Frostbeards when it failed proved to be. The precision plates which had been aligned when new were now twisted and warped, no longer unlocking from each other as intended. As often as not, Thorn was forced to damage them even more to give himself and Nazji access to work on the axles of the mining head. Nazji returned with the coffee, which he had spiked in the dragonborn style with bronze pyre root. Handing Thorn a mug of the near-boiling dark liquid with a coppery sheen floating on the surface, he noted, Always the same. Not a frill of maintenance, and they wonder why it broke. Naz walked around to the front of the machine, squatting down to get a better look at just how bad the augers were off-angle. As Thorn finally rested the last panel off the drill head, exposing the last axles and backside of the gears, he could immediately see the problem. A black rock a bit larger than his fist had jammed itself between the gears, bending their axles. He started to reach in to retrieve it, 
But as he did so, a memory from Talon's life screamed in alarm. It wasn't a stone, but a petrified obsidian heart. A demon heart. Before Thorn could even make a sound, the right front leg lifted off the ground. Shunk! With the sickening wetness of a knife plunging into a ripe melon, the machine's razor-sharp serrated leg thrust through Nazji's thigh, emerging out the other side and sinking into the polished rock floor of the workshop. Nazji tried to scramble away from the machine as it came alive, tendrils of demonic essence now flowing out of its every joint, but the machine's leg pinned him to the ground through his own. The automaton then lurched sideways. It slammed into Thorn, throwing him off his feet and causing him to skid across the smooth floor. Thorn watched in horror as the rotary driller stood up on its three remaining legs, lifting Naz into the air with the fourth and drawing him close to the now wildly spinning augers and gears. Nazji thrashed like a fish on a hook, but the durability of his own scales and the barbserations of the machine's leg held him trapped. Seeing Naz held aloft by the demonic being inhabiting the mining rig, Thorn was momentarily frozen by the similarities to how Riken looked when the hellhound shook him in its jaws decades earlier. Talon's voice screamed in his head, breaking him out of his paralysis. Not again! Thorn dove forward, thanking the gods again for Lachlan instilling in him the need always to have his weapon at hand, and sliced through the already damaged spider-like leg of the machine at its joint. Naz and the portion of the machine's leg still embedded in his own fell to the ground with a clang. Pull it through the other way, like you do with an arrow! Thorn shouted at Naz as he drew the demon driller's focus. What? Staring in shock at his skewered leg, Nazji panickedly yelled back, I've never been shot with an arrow! I've never even been in a fight! The possessed rotary drill lunged toward Thorn on its three legs, hitting him with one of its augers which ripped through his jerkin. His chain shirt stopped the pointed edge, but Thorn saw the automaton seem to wince backward as it made contact with the divine armor's links. Naz, either not having the stomach to pull the bladed leg through his own, or thinking he had a better plan, began to cast a spell. Naz, no! Thorn cried, recognizing what Nazji was casting, and from his experience as Talon, knew of Demon's unique abilities regarding magic. It was too late. Naz reached out and touched the back leg of the machine, and as the arcane energy flowed into it, Thorn readied himself for the opportunity he knew was about to come. They were going to need a new plan. The silvery arcane energy of Naz's casting flowed over the arachnid-like form of the possessed rotary driller and became corrupted by its fiendish power. The spell, meant to reduce its size to a more manageable scale, began to enlarge it instead. Thorn seized the moment, as the automaton grew larger, to dive under its legs, grab Nazji, and drag him into one of the windowed labs, sealed with wards, slamming the door behind them. I, 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 I was trying to help, Naz stuttered, trying to explain. It's okay, it's okay, you didn't know. Demons like that one warp magic to their benefit, Thorn tried to explain, while at the same time calming his mentor. He reached into one of the cabinets and pulled out a healing potion that Naz kept on hand for emergencies. Get ready to drink this once I pull that out. 
Thorn handed the potion to Naz and grabbed the machine's serrated leg. On three. One. Thorn didn't even wait until two to yank the leg the rest of the way through his friend's thigh. The dragonborn hissed in pain and then downed the potion, which, while not healing the wound fully, got it into much better shape than it had been in. Okay, we need a plan. A loud crash came from the now-huge drilling machine as it tore apart the workshop, making its way toward the lab Thorn and Naz were sheltering in. Its new size confounded it momentarily, but that wouldn't last for long. Thorn began to remove his jerkin. I know the spellbook, but any chance you've got a trick to make a divine chainmail be affected by a spell? What? No! That is crazy and impossible! Naz scoffed as he pursed his scaly, dragonborn lips. You know better than that, he chided, always the teacher. Well, then we have to get really crazy. I need you to make me bigger. Seeing Naz shaking his head and about to say all the reasons why that was an even worse idea, Thorn pressed on. The shirt will size itself to whoever it is bound to, and we need it big enough to throw over that thing. He motioned through the window with his head to the possessed machine, now slamming its full weight into the door protecting them. I know the risks. You told me all the horror stories of people trying to change the scale of living things. But if the curse could heal my hands, it can certainly heal the damage from a simple spell. Eventually, at least. And there is one potion left, just in case. I just have to time things to throw the shirt before the spell incapacitates me so it can destroy the demon like it did the evil coin. Naz was about to object when through the window they saw the demon-possessed driller turn away from them, hearing the noises outside the workshop coming from Inventor's Grotto. It turned and started to walk toward the opening leading to the causeway. This is crazy. You could die, Naz stated matter-of-factly. If we don't stop that thing right now, and all the artificers start throwing magic at it, lots of people will die. Thorn didn't hesitate any longer. Now with bare torso and chainmail shirt in hand, he stepped out of the lab. He looked over his shoulder at his best friend and mentor. Hit me, Naz. Do it. Have that potion ready in case I pass out. Thorn braced himself as he looked Naz in the eyes. I trust you, brother. Naz looked to the machine headed toward the door, and then to Thorn, with his analytical arcane eyes comparing the scale of the two. I'm sorry, it is going to take a double cast. Brace yourself. Both of Naz's hands pressed into Thorn's back, and magical energy flowed into him. Ah! Thorn tried to hold back the cry of pain as the world began to shrink around him. He felt the bones in his legs begin to crack under the strain of his increasing weight and the world started to go fuzzy as his eye's focal length started to warp. Knowing he only had fractions of a moment before the spell fully resolved and his body's new size would tear itself apart, he threw the chainmail shirt like a fishing net. As he continued to grow, his connection to the armor kept its expansion a mirror to his own increasing scale. The spell's effects proceeded on their merciless course. Thorn's tendons ruptured and tore off their bones, having exceeded nature's intent for their maximum size. His muscles burst, their volume increasing far more than their organic structure's ability to contain the expanding fibers. Thorn's now massive form crumpled to the ground. 
Thorn felt his heart begin to falter in its labor to pump blood through his still-expanding form. As his head hit the stone floor of the workshop, his eyes could barely make out the massive shape of his shining armor as it draped over the demon-possessed mining machine. The armor-turned-net disintegrated the demon-inhabited construct in a bright golden flash of divine power. The pain that had racked Thorn's body had turned to numbness as his nervous system became overloaded with the agony of his body's scale destroying itself. The last thing Thorn saw before passing out as he lay on his side on the workshop floor was Nazji coming into focus as he ran toward him, barely taller than his shoulders were wide at his gigantic size. Then there was nothing but darkness.